You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, I'm Lauren Smith, the new editor of Campus Review. Today I'm speaking to Connor King, the Executive Director of the Innovative Research Universities, about his new report, The Impact of More Students at University. So my first few questions relate to part one of your report, Impact of More Students at University. Firstly, I just wanted to clarify whether those increases in graduates across several different subject areas just pertain to IRU universities or are they Australia-wide? Those are Australia-wide figures. Um, we're arguing about the system as a whole. Um, don't actually have that level of data by individual universities. Hard to get. So it's a good question whether where were the where different from some others, but it was mostly about the impact overall because there's still an ongoing debate from some people who question whether or not the um, the um, whether the expansion of university places has been useful, and sometimes people say that people have come uh, filling the wrong disciplines and with the government's and opposition's strong focus on science, technological type areas, the OEGs will keep pointing out that they're the areas that have grown through this process in the last five, six years. So I can see that the rates have increased in STEM and have uh, decreased to some extent in other areas, but do you know what the overall STEM versus business and humanities graduates figures are? Um, well, you can add it up from the things that are in there. Uh, so I haven't quite done it as STEM versus everything else um, more. And health sits in the middle, I think. It's involved a lot of science and technology, um, but there's a lot of people doing those for with a lot of health professions of growing allied health professions have been those numbers. Um, so, and depends which thing you're looking at. Um, some of these are just increases in completion rates, others are numbers uh, or the total number of people. Uh, if you really wanted to, after this, um, I could probably group it a little bit like that. Um, but I'm not trying to make this too oppositional. We've got no problem. We need to have lawyers and we need people doing arts degrees and things, but it's just useful pointing out those areas have always been able to grow fairly consistently and they have continued to do at a lower rate. But the change in funding arrangement made it easier to enrol more people in the medium to high cost things, which is where the sciences and technologies sit. You sort of touched on this point already in your first response, but why do you believe that more STEM graduates are a good thing? Uh, what I believe is that individuals should follow their instincts for the kind of skills and capabilities they want to underpin their future lives and, and their working lives in particular. And the previous arrangements where government universities were setting the number by at high level by discipline meant that if there were more people who had an aspiration in a particular area, 
then not all of them could follow that. And so the main point about this debate is that it's allowed that to happen and people have been able to pursue their science and engineering technology aspirations. And so I think that's clearly good. Um, and in terms of the relative between the two, um, I mean, there are arguments out there that probably we have been a little bit weak on some of the engineering areas and that that's important to um, underpinning just creation of new industries. And some of that has an interaction with some of the social science areas where, um, as well. And I'm thinking, and I can just see a little bit in the data, that having met the where the barriers were before um, and expanded the system, now the growth year to year is much slighter and most areas are growing more and more at the same kind of rate. So all it really meant was there was a barrier before which stopped people doing engineering and science in some of the health areas and now that's been lifted that need is being met. So would you say that the argument that the demand-driven system can water down degree quality due to increased numbers in certain areas is actually untrue? Uh, yeah, I don't have the assumption that because more people do something, quality must fall. Um, and it's a fairly abstract sense of what quality is about. And look, a parallel I draw is in the 1980s, number of people completing school, year 12 at school, went from 35% to over 70%. So more than doubled. Does that mean that school education was somehow devalued or lowered? It, I mean, the reality was at that time, it, it changed and helped drive a lot of the change in employment and the fact that a lot of the more low-skilled jobs were disappearing. Um, so the, the assumption that there's some kind of automatic intelligence level out there um, is I think a false one and I'm not an expert on that but people who follow these things I think can show that. It's about skilling and encouraging people to develop their minds but to develop their minds in a way that's going to fit in with where you know, employment and lifestyle options are going to work for them. Um, so it, if you want to say what's the average quality of an individual and is that lower or higher, um, well it may be slightly lower or different but the real question is, are those people uh, more knowledgeable and more able to uh, find themselves work um, and create a living for themselves? It's, the comparison really should be with what you would be without that degree uh, to, to having it. And there is a clear overlap. And there's some funny arguments out there. People get excited by not enough people doing um, trades and vocational education. Uh, and I don't object to that argument, but you want those, you don't necessarily want those people to be always at the bottom end of the spectrum, but that's how you're looking at it. You actually want them to be from the higher end. So there's nothing wrong with people from middle of the spectrum or below also doing higher education, as long as they are learning and gaining something. Um, and for many women in particular, I think that's the, the essential option for the chances of having reasonable employment. I think another angle to that sort of argument is that funding hasn't kept up with growth in student numbers, uh, but I suppose that's a whole other train of thought. Well, that's getting to the Minister's uh, decisions and package announced earlier this week. Uh, but the, what the demand-driven system has done is expand the number of people. Uh, the funding rates have stayed the same. So there's no more money for a given uh, individual in the university. There may be, by having more people doing something, maybe slightly cheaper per head, but not really. Um, so 
funding in state and, and the issue for the universities comes back to the way which we need to teach the resources required just to keep on adjusting to where digital technology is leading us requires endless reinvesting in, in the technologies to support that and that goes across all class, all discipline areas and that's a, a challenge and expense for unis so we argue that we're, we're pushed to keep that up and then Clearly, there's always an ongoing issue about how many staff are available for students um, and, and how pushed and pressured staff are, uh, and less funds requires us to keep putting that pressure on. Moving on to part two of the report, you noted that there's been an increase in enrolments of low SES students. I was wondering if you can tell me if there's a discrepancy sorry, what the discrepancy is between low SES enrolments and low SES graduates, and whether it's greater than that of higher SES students? Uh, look, I don't have precise figures in front of me. Once people get into university, the chances of finishing it are fairly similar. The, the data will show that low SES people are completing a little bit below the the average um, and, and some of this has to be a little bit adjusted for other skill and entry standard people as well so there's a little bit lower but not a lot um, the, the, there are groups where there's a clear disparity for example uh, aboriginal students completion rates are definitely lower and that's an issue for IA universities as well because we are big enrollers of Aboriginal students. So the low SESN, the issue is mostly about actually understanding you could go to university, want, seeing the one that you want to do and, and, and getting to that point. Once you're there, especially with some of the supports that people like the IIU universities provide, um, then you're largely completing at the same kind of rate as anyone else. It's a little bit lower, but not much. That finishes my formal questions. Is there anything else from either of the parts of the reports that you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think what we're trying to, well, are showing here is that the expansion uh, has resolved some of the issue about different disciplines and allowing people to follow through their, their desires and aspirations and show that previously we were holding back people who wanted to do STEM type areas. And it also shows that expansion is an important part of widening access for all backgrounds because you're not trying to exclude someone who wants to go to get someone else in. You're able to take both. Um, and that's what, and the numbers we have here for low SES to set similar patterns for Aboriginal students I talked about uh, and while the growth is a little bit less for those from um, uh, outside of big cities and regional areas. There's still a bit of a challenge with remote students but the, the expansion and the fact of saying if, we, if you're capable and ready then someone will take you has been important for evening out uh, who's going to university and which is important long run because a university or a vet qualification is pretty much going to be essential for nearly everyone in the future if they're going to have a job with uh, reasonable uh, prospects. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me. That's okay. been very informative.